0: everybody, Rachel Varga here, the beauty side of Beauty and the Biohacker, and I warmly invite you to check out working with Katie and I. You can go to beautyandthebiohacker.com where you can find our book one-on-one links with either Katie and I. Katie can help you with optimizing your sleep through biohacking modalities, and I can help you with optimizing your at-home and in-clinic skin and rejuvenation journey with skincare, biohacking, dermal rolling, and all of that cool stuff stuff. Be sure to also check out our favorites page where you can find our shortlist of our top biohacking and supplement picks to help you slow your aging on a cellular level. And be sure to use those affiliate links to continue to support the show here and use the promo codes to save yourself some money. Enjoy today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode right here on the Beauty and the Biohacker podcast. If you're new here, welcome. We cannot wait to hang out with you and basically just, you know, be a fly on the wall with Katie and I hanging out, talking about all things beauty and biohacking. Before we get started, be sure to hit that subscribe button on the Beauty and the Biohacker website, YouTube channel, Facebook page, podcast, and hit the bell notifications that you know when I go live. If you're new here, my name is Rachel. I'm a board certified aesthetic nurse specialist and since the last 10 years, 20,000 rejuvenation treatments later. I love helping people just really Keep people on the straight and narrow on all things aging impossibly well, and so I'm the beauty side of beauty and the biohacker. We have the fabulous Katie Type A as our co-host here, who is the biohacker side of things.
1: Yes, thank you for that um, intro, Rachel. I am, you know, as you said, the biohacker side. I do all sorts of um, product tech reviews, all in the, the like span of health and wellness and biohacking on my YouTube channel, Katie Type A. You can also find me on Instagram. I'm starting to do sleep consultations with people. So again, my mission and your mission are similarly aligned. We're really looking to help you achieve a sense of success, feel good on the inside and outside without having to sacrifice your health and happiness. It's life is too short for that. We've gotta we've gotta make the time that we have on this earth useful and productive, and we gotta feel good while we're doing it.
0: Absolutely. And if you want to learn more about Katie and I head over to beautyandthebiohacker.com where you can find direct links to do one-on-one sessions with me. And I gotta say, Katie, a lot of my clients that I'm meeting with, you know, internationally for skincare, dermal rolling, help them figure out what they could do at home and in the clinic. I am recommending that they meet with you for a biohacking consult to learn about some of the, you know, best tech out there to help us be our most radiant dialed in versions and how to like quantify what makes us feel good and avoid the things that just might not be worth our time and money. And that's why you guys are here. We are really just two chicks on a mission wanting to help people look better and feel great in the process. So we've had some really interesting conversations over the last couple of weeks. And we just really decided we kind of wanted to tell you a little bit about really what we're all about, and what we want you to know about us, and why we bring certain things into your awareness and not others. We're not here to you know, bring down other companies and do negative reviews and things like that. And I get asked all the time, what do you think about this, Rachel? What do you think about this for, you know, skincare and this at-home device? If you don't see me talking about it, there's a reason for that. If you see me, if you see us talking about things, really um, hone in on that stuff. And I'd love for you to expand on that, Katie.
1: Yeah, I think that is something that I am really starting to, hone in on more now that my channel is growing. And, you know, I started out as a really small reviewer with a couple hundred followers, and now, you know, I'm a past 8K, which is pretty significant in the YouTube space for, you know, such a uh, prolific platform, platform with so many people on it. And as you can imagine, I mean, it's probably multiple times a week that companies are reaching out to me, asking me to send me their product. I've probably had 75 massage gun companies reaching out at this point. And you have to draw a line somewhere where you say like, is this, and this is kind of my sort of overarching principle. I really think about my audience. I think about who is it that I am trying to communicate with, and it's funny, there's actually one, like I have one person in mind that was one of the first people that ever followed my channel and we've communicated over Instagram. And so she's a real person. I'm not going to disclose her name here, but I always think of her whenever I'm sitting down and working and on my videos or thinking about a product or to review. And I think about like, would she get something out of this? And if not, why, why am I going to go down that rabbit hole of just making a video to hit the algorithms of YouTube and, you know, and I might also piss off a lot of people in the process. And that's never been my intention. My intention at the end of the day is education. I want people to be smarter about their health and not waste their money on tech. So really what it comes down to is, is this product something that I think somebody could get value from? and? B is this something that I could see myself actually using and could this be beneficial for my health? So yeah, in that whole, like, mix of those two factors i sometimes get some duds and i am very transparent about that but i always try to make it about the pros and the cons because as a trained journalist i've always learned that there's two sides to a story and so what might be a con for me might be a pro for somebody else so i always try to paint the whole picture but i'm not going to go after a product that I know is going to fail just from the onset, or I know that I have some negative association with, because then I'm biased in my review. And that has never been my objective. I have to go in with an open mind, clear focus with everything I do. That's so important to me, you know, and I'm sure you feel the same way on the skincare stuff too.
0: Oh yeah. I always kind of have to keep my, my spidey senses up. You know, if I think that this is going to be a skincare trend, for example, like CBD in skincare that didn't really pan out very well. And just all, there's always so many gimmicks and trendy at home things and trendy in clinic things. And we really just have to allow things to kind of stand the test of time. Are there clinicals to back up their efficacy what are the principles of the company? Uh, even It's even better when I know, for example, the founder, uh, one of the co-founders of My Toolbox Genomics, Erica Gray, who's been on the show. And you really get a sense of you know, who these people are, what they're wanting to accomplish with their technologies, their, their test kits, their products. And so we really weigh that into account. And also just energetically, if I know something isn't going to be worth my clients' or my audience's time and money, I don't even actually want to put any energy into it. So when I interviewed Dave Asprey and Dr. Alana Asprey uh, had him over to my house, had some, you know, sushi bowls hung out on the patio by the pond. This was, you know, before lockdown and stuff like that. Uh, cause, Cause he's really someone I look up to and I love his honesty about time is the one thing you can't get back. So I'm hyper focused on what I spend my time on. I won't really bother wanting to create a video talking about a piece of technology that I think isn't going to be of value because that takes a lot of energy for me. And then I would just much rather focus on something that I truly believe in, something that I use myself and something that I've seen my clients say that they've received a benefit from as well because I have a unique perspective because I work with uh, clients in the clinic and also through obviously virtual one-on-one consultations all over the world. And I glean from them some of the tech And products that they've tried, they get a benefit from and also what I see maybe not working. So Katie and I, we have just this like this alchemy together when we come together. Uh, So I got like the clinical side of things, Katie's got the analytical journalism side of things. So we just wanted to share with you really in this episode, a bit of a PSA, of why we focus on some things and choose to not focus on other things. It's not that we're not aware of them or we don't want to like pigeon toe ourselves into, you know, doing certain reviews, but yeah. Can you expand on that? Cause I know we're on the same wavelength here, Katie. Yeah. um, Another
1: huge like uh, focal point for me is the why, right? You know, Simon Sinek uh, has a wonderful book called Start with Why. And so when I'm when a company reaches out to me initially and they have a product, some sleep gadget or, you know, neuromodulating device, something on that, I, I always ask like, well, why are they reaching out to me? And usually my first instinct is to get on the phone with somebody and really ask them some of the questions that I would have as a consumer if I start to feel just even in the way that the email is written or the Instagram messages sent that it's really, they're just trying to use me to promote their product and to, you know, basically get some type of uh, recognition on a wider public space, but they don't really care who's doing it. They just want somebody to say their, you know, company name. I, I just cut the ties right there. Like, that is a misalignment with my vision because I'm not in this for the money. I don't I really want to be promoting products and companies that are that have a long-term vision, right? They they're in it for the long game. They're not here to just make a quick bucks. There are so many and, and I'm going to say I'm going to call this, you know, this um particular industry out, but like the massage gun industry, for instance, all of these mini massage guns popped up right around the time of the pandemic, but they're all using white label marketing. So basically they buy these you know um, products or they buy all of the components from China, they manufacture them you know overseas and then they just put their label on it and they ship it out to the consumer at a very expensive price. Uh, or not expensive price but you know it, it it doesn't really matter at the end of the day it's it they're just trying to ride this wave kind of like what you talked about with a trend where they saw like oh a lot of people are investing in these we might as well make a quick buck I don't want to be part of the quick buck stuff like that's that is just it it's outside of my realm of caring and I hate to say that but it's like you, you can start to fall into these traps of like, I just want to, you know, get more subscribers. I want to get more views. I want to start, you know, I want to really grow my business. But if you don't focus on what your actual mission is, and if you don't look at the long game and you're just looking at these quick bites, you're never going to get there. And you're just going to become distressed. At least that's been the case for me where I can feel myself being like, Oof, like moving away from some of these gimmicky products because I know that it's reviewing them is not going to do any, not going to have a value add for, for people. Um, unless I can share some knowledge and relevance around it that will help people become smarter consumers. But I've already done that with like the massage gun stuff. I made my point clear and you know, I'm not going to do another one. And I think that's, sometimes you just have to like draw that line and say, this is me. This is what I'm offering. And I, I'm not going to get sucked into that, that rabbit hole of, of the YouTube algorithm stuff. Cause it's, it's tempting, but it doesn't make me feel in alignment with my vision and mission in life.
0: Yeah. I totally feel you. And For you, reviewing different devices that come on the market, it's almost the same thing when different celebrities come out and say they've had some recent work done. For example, um, Demi Moore, she ended up going on the Fenty fashion show runway in Paris Fashion Week, and there was this whole to-do about, you know, what did Demi Moore do to her face? And so what I didn't do was attack her, right? Right. Like clearly there was something going on. There could, I have a a YouTube video on it as well. Just look me up, Rachel Varga, you'll find it. And, you know, I have my own opinions of what I think was going on because certain things, like if you're not feeling well, if you just gotten off a flight, dermal fillers can actually swell on you and make you look quite puffy so she looked very uh very different in some of the photos and then you know she's back to normal but nobody else was saying it quite like that Uh, but what I did before talking about her was I actually looked at some of her interviews and I'll do this when I talk about different celebrities because people ask me they're like how do I avoid looking like that Right. So that's what why people ask me to do plastic surgery um, celebrity reviews. But what the first thing I do is I actually look at how that person is talking and I'm looking for radiance. I'm looking for that sparkle. I'm looking for them to tell their story and maybe what's contributed to their aging process past traumas things that they're doing to really um, you know inspire others and help others through some of their struggles and that's actually really what I kind of found uh, with Demi Moore that I thought was really interesting so here everybody's probably tuning into my video wanting to know exactly what I think she's done but really I was like okay you guys gotta check yourself why are you guys looking? into stuff like this you know potentially bring down others why don't we just support each other and I don't mean to sound fluffy and things like that but when it comes to the YouTube algorithm for me I think I have a video that's like well over 75,000 views on a celebrity Uh, talking about, you know, lower eye bags and things like that. And it kind of drives me a bit nuts because sometimes with different celebrities, they actually attract different energies. And we need to, Katie and I are really hyper focused on what we want to focus on. But you also said something really interesting that I want to segue into, which is the concept of white labeling. And I'm in a wonderful network of individuals, including Dave Asprey, uh, Dr. Mercola, JJ Virgin, Cynthia Thurlow, um, you know, all sorts of people that are really wanting to do good work in the world and share helpful information. And because of my associations, I do have a little bit of inside scoop on things like what's called white labeling. And this is big in skincare. So I'm going to kind of focus on that for a hot second. I'll oftentimes see you know, during a consultation session, someone tells me, oh, I'm using this product. What do you think about it? And then I'll hop on the person's website, I'll look at the ingredients. And sure enough, it's got all three parabens in it. And, you know, these are practitioners that have board certifications that are selling products. But really what it comes down to is the attention to detail of those practitioners and like yourself, Katie, if they can identify, okay, parabens, salate sulfates, artificial dyes, fragrances, testing on animals is terrible. We don't want to support companies like that. But what the consumer doesn't know is that sometimes when they're paying you know, $120 to $200 for a face cream or eye cream, and if it's white labeled, it could literally be the same formulation that they're finding on their drugstore shelves for $10. And so that's why we're really particular about the companies that we get behind. That's why I really like to work in specifically with medical grade skincare products that are formulating their own things. And they're actually doing clinical trials on the final formula, not just making claims on say things like vitamin A, hyaluronic acid, vitamin C, you know, this product's got these ingredients and these ingredients do these things. That doesn't matter. What matters is actually the final chemical composition and the cellular messaging that happens. Same thing goes, you know, I got some supplements behind me here, these aren't white label companies that I work with. And yeah, I'd love for you to expand on your take and understanding of white labeling in the biohacking market with devices as well. And yeah, we'll segue into some other cool stuff too.
1: Yeah. I, um, just to kind of expand on what you just said about, um, you know, doing your kind of due diligence and looking at the ingredients. Like That is first and foremost one of the most important things I can get out to people. Take five minutes and look at the research behind the company. Get to know like who who is you know creating this product. Most importantly, like have they done clinical trials? Have they looked at you know the impacts it it's had on people? And and clinical trials, I'm talking about like large scale studies. I'm not talking about like three people, right? Like that's the problem. Sometimes they have all of these, like you can almost like get swept up in like, oh, well, they have like 15 clinical trials, but it's like on four people per trial. And it's like, that is really not a huge- Or
0: in the magazines, if you flip through magazines, you'll see the Speedy product pop up, read the fine print. It'll say, you know, 30 individuals over a 30 day period said that they reported a 95% improvement in their skin. It's like, uh, that is not clinical information. So we have to be very careful. Uh, one of the companies that I work with, it's a French company and they create antioxidant supplements using superoxide dismutase. They actually don't have to spend any money on their research and development because other companies will do third-party lab testing as well. So that's really exciting. And there's a lot of really great biohacking tech out there that does um, actually share third-party studies on their devices, which I love.
1: And that's another big thing in the supplement industry. And I'm glad you brought that up because I was recently talking to Lucas Owen, who's the founder of Ergogenic Health, and he's been on our show. And I asked him, I said, listen, I'm, I'm constantly like inundated with all of these different nootropics, you know, various price points. How do I know what's what? And he's like, go to the company's website. Do they have third-party testing? And look at their certificate of analysis. If you can see what they're using in their ingredients and they've done this, like their batches have been tested and formulations have been tested, like, you know what you're getting. And if you don't see that, then skip it over. Like, it's so easy. Once you have this kind of like rubric for yourself of like things to look for, you know, especially for me with like any types of products or supplements that I try, like third-party testing, certificate of analysis, um, you know, clinical trials and like actual like data. You know, I don't want to just hear like a 95% improvement in health. What the heck does that even mean? You know, like there are so many of these fluff terms that end up in the jargon of um, you know, marketing. And it's so insane to me because I'm just like that doesn't mean anything for the for anybody. You know, it's it's just you know, that, that is kind of like the unfortunate dark side of some of this stuff, but coming back to this white labeling thing of, um, of biohacking tech, you know, I, I have to say there most of the products that I have tried, um, and have reviewed on my channel, Katie type a have been, you know, developed by specific companies. I'm talking about like the aura ring, um, you know, even like the whoop band, uh, you know, certain, but I mean, I think you can get into some tricky areas when it comes to things that can be more, um, massive, like large scale objects. I'm talking about like red light therapy. There's a lot of companies that are now being like, okay, well, what is Juve doing? Um, by the way,
0: more power doesn't mean it's better.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, they're just taking these kind of like infrared bulbs and putting some plastic on top and then shipping them out. And it's like, okay, so that's, you know, something keep in mind, like actually look at the company. What are they doing? Where is Where are these products being manufactured? That's another big sign for you. If it's like, you know, I if it's in the US or if they're, um, you know, really doing a lot of work in US or Canada, you know, maybe that might, there might be some efficacy there. Um, but a lot of these things, parts are just coming from overseas. And I think it's, um, it's really hard to kind of, uh, you know, make that link and connection to then the actual company itself. If they're, if they're really so separate from the whole like manufacturing process, massage guns is another one that's just, you know, um, it's teeming with white label gimmicks. Um, I think there's, you know, you just have to be skeptical because I think the, the more that things become trendy in the health and wellness space, the more we're going to see kind of this white labeling um, process happen. And I mean, I, I get it, like companies want to make money and they're looking at a great opportunity, but you as a consumer want to make, make sure that you're getting the best product for the value for yourself and you don't want to buy something cheap that's going to break. So yeah, those are kind of my thoughts on how it's sort of permeated into the biohacking space, but I think we'll see more of it in, in years to come.
0: I'd love to talk about when we're looking at companies' websites, I a little while ago, well, not a little while ago, maybe like two years ago, there was a gummy that came on the market And right away, I went onto the website because I had, you know, my girlfriends in town asking me about it. They're like, hey, what do you think about this? It's supposed to be great for hair, skin, and nails. It's got all these celebrity endorsements. I see all these people posing on Instagram with it. And so I went on the uh, the website and right away it's got like as seen in Vogue, as seen in Cosmopolitan, as seen on this TV show. So just because you see media mentions doesn't mean that they're any good because you can actually pay to do what's called an advertorial and it will look like the magazine's actually done an article on that and giving their review on it, but it's actually an editorial. And you can check because FTC requires this disclaimer to be made on you know the bottom of the page. It's usually said there, this isn't the opinion of blah, 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 website or magazine, but the media mentions is typically paid for. And unfortunately what that can do it to the consumer is it adds credibility in the consumer's eyes. Like, oh, this company that's been around you know, for a long time, it's been featured on there, or the celebrities endorsing it, that stuff is paid for more often than not. So just because you see that doesn't mean it's any good. And honestly, a lot of the I work with about 13 different medical grade skincare brands, you can just reach out, I'll make suggestions for you, as what could be good for you sort of at home and also what you do at clinic. But these companies actually don't do a lot of information their website about media mentions they really just stick with the research and development their products kind of speak for themselves but looking for those paid advertorials is kind of tricky business
1: also rachel another really important thing to mention um, and and recently came up for me is this idea of clinical trials um and getting published because some companies will actually pay to have their you know in-house clinical trials published in a magazine or, um, you know, some type of, of uh, journal. And so it looks like it's legit. It looks like it's official, but if there's really, you know, money behind that, and it's not a uh, peer reviewed, if it's not third-party tested, if it's, you know, you, you really kind of have to do a little bit of savvy uh, assessment of like, okay, well, who, who actually organized this study? Who was involved in this study? Who paid to get this study in this publication? There's so many different, like intricate things. And this is where we can come in and help you guys, because I get it. Like if you're just an everyday consumer and you're like, you know, doing your, your due diligence online, looking up a company, oh, they've got a clinical trial. How are you supposed to know? I mean, there's like these little things that, that come into play that you might not realize, but that's why you can reach out to me or Rachel and we'll actually guide you through this. It's something that we've kind of become accustomed to just by the nature of our field. And so we're really well-versed in kind of knowing the crap from the real legitimate, like science-backed information you need.
0: What's really beautiful over these last couple of years is I've actually, um, one of my colleagues in the U.S., put my name forward to be one of the newest board members for the Plastic Surgical Nursing Journal and Peer Reviewer. So I am on the board of uh, a journal and I have submitted papers to them. And, you know, it goes through a peer review process. Someone will say, okay, maybe you need to change this. It sounds biased or "or maybe adjust this to this way. So I understand what that process is like. And I also, um, my brother-in-law is going through med school right now. And he was even saying that, Papers can get published in these big journals, they just have to pay for it. So there's also that element as well. And so some of the papers that I write all kind of share, for example, before and after photos of what I do to achieve this type of outcome. So my first paper was done on optimal rejuvenation for the periocular area using advanced injectable techniques. So lifting the brows, reducing hooded eyelids, reducing lower eye bags and talking about safety. And then the second one, I just, um, it's in the peer review process right now is for jawline enhancement. I will say that I had another journal reach out to me and say, Hey, Rachel, we'd love to feature you in, in the journal. Here's an honorarium as a thank you for your time to submitting a paper. And other times I've been approached really big in the UK, actually, for UK companies and papers to reach out to me and say, Hey, we'll publish your paper if you pay for it. So there's a couple of different ways that uh, people can get featured in papers. (laughs) and I saw your eyebrows go up there. What do you think mm. about that that little behind the scenes info? I mean,
1: it it speaks volumes to the um the difficulty in assessment of how to know what's true and false in in this world. And it's it's actually something that has really started to bother me to be completely honest, Rachel, like, and I'll be, I mean, I'm, you guys are flies on the wall. Like this is the stuff that Rachel and I talk about, like behind. We just get to hang
0: out on the show here guys. But I think this is important. Yeah. I think that for
1: me, I have always put scientists and researchers on a pedestal. I've always looked at them as a source of truth. And so to start to see this sea change, to start to see things being watered down because of money. I mean, I guess that's life. Like that's my fiance is like, this is the world we live in. People are driven by this. Like you, this is reality. But for me, I've taken it very personally and I've had a very strong emotional reaction to this kind of stuff. Because if I can't believe the scientists that I'm reading their journals and papers, like who the heck can I believe? Right. It's, you, it's a mental shift you have to start to make, but it's not, I guess my point is it's, this doesn't apply to all, right? This applies to a certain subset of groups and journals and publications, but it's not the one size fits all approach to how everybody operates. And that is, gives me hope because that means there are still a lot of people out there that are doing the work That are in universities that are people like yourself, Rachel, really committed to change and committed to knowledge and education in this space. The thing is, you've got to know who you're looking at and you've got to be looking for the right types of information coming from the right types of people. And that is, you know, that can be difficult. But I think once you start to find those publications that are actually speaking, the truth to you, right? And the truth is subjective, right? I can't even say like that. Like there's one universal truth. There really isn't a universal truth. Yeah. There's people
0: so- are really kind of in their own type of realities. It's like, what might be my reality is very different from what might be your reality based on what values you have. Exactly, I was actually, have you heard exactly. of Teal Swan? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love Teal Swan. And I was actually watching one of her videos yesterday on you know, how do you figure out what your value is? And she put it really well. I recommend you check out that video. I was actually putting it, uh, listening to it while I was putting together a new dresser in my office here for for some of my things. And I had both my hypo air... <laughs> air is going because man, that stuff off gases. If you're working in your home office, seriously, check out our interview with David Milburn. Uh, There's a little bit of a promo uh, code in there as well that of course helps to support this channel. But yeah, the I've really been able to glean a lot about the academic journal culture. And I am so incredibly grateful that someone put my name forward because they recognize that I am the type of clinician that I really just want to help people. And I want to put information out there to help other clinicians help people as well. And there are so many wonderful people that are and and practitioners that are really taking the time to write articles based on their anecdotal practice, what they see in, in their clinical practice, and then also different, you know, other Other papers to back up their claims. So, I actually work with uh, people who are called medical liaisons, and it's actually very helpful when you start to write more and more papers to be able to say, Hey, I need some articles on this such and such topic. But you also have to be careful with that because where is that medical liaison coming from? Who are they employed by? Are they only showing research from one side? And Actually, some of the the, some of the published studies that I've seen, you know, some of the biggest journals in the world, they do actually say in their uh, basically like their abstract or uh, another word is uh, limitations for the study is this was a two month study on a relatively small field and pool of people. And you have to pay attention to that stuff just because you're seeing statistics of this thing is, you know, such and such effective and there were, you know, such and such percentage of adverse events and, you know, mild to moderate to severe side effects. How big was the pool? How long was the study done? And what are the limitations that are actually purported in that paper? And once you actually start to look at, especially some of the papers that are coming out now on some very key topics that are you know part of huge world events right now you'll start to see these things and actually it's quite alarming to me to see that
1: i think that's also a great point and segue into something that i've started to notice with talking to people in the scientific community they will be the like legitimate credible scientists will be the first to admit that they don't know everything and it's like the minute that they kind of admit like there are limitations and they're not dogmatic about saying, this is the only thing that matters, or this is the only way, like this is going to cure X, Y, and Z. When they have this sort of humility and it comes across in your study, in their study, there is a sense of validation I get from that. And also keep in mind, you always want to look at were there any financial ties to this study and usually that will be a disclaimer in a study you know a publication it will say like was there a financial incentive was there some type of monetary backing and that's another place where you can really start to do a little digging i think that might even be the best place to start to see was there some monetary incentive for this person to do this study and how are they connected to this company I think those are some key things that you can look for to really start to feel like you can trust um, the information that you're getting.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm happy to write papers for free, but it's also nice when, say, you'll get an award for your work. So uh, the International Society of Plastic and Aesthetic Nurses they have their journal plastic surgical nursing journal, and they gave me an award. And what I did was I took that award, and I put it back into the organization (laughs) to, you know, do more development and, and pay for the other people that are for the most part, donating a lot of time. And it is nice, actually, when a journal reaches out to me, and they offer to pay me an honorarium for my time, because it takes months to write a paper. It takes so much time. So I actually appreciate that when a, a journal reaches out to me and say, "Hey, we want your take on this topic and we're here, we're going to pay you a little bit of money to do it." And it's just like, "Oh, that's amazing." But not the other way around where it's happened many, many times where companies will reach out to me and say, Hey, we'd love for you to be featured in our journal. Um, here's the fee structure. Let me know if you want to contribute. That drives me a little bit bonkers. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think it's, you know, this is, and this is part of where you can, you know, really start to unpack and understand, you know, it's important. People need to get paid for their time, for their energy. I mean, I think back when I was in college and how many papers and how arduous it was. And I, gosh, I was paying the school. But you know, in reality, like I was paying for my education, I was getting a grade. Like there was an incentive for me to to put my heart and soul into that, you know, and it was a learning experience. And so yes, I think absolutely like there you it when you get that kind of monetary incentive, you then can put it back into the organization or your own business because it's, it is time consuming, you know, and I guess I'm starting to come into a better, um, mindset around your energy. And we can talk a little bit about this and like where you actually put your time, your resources, and, and most importantly, you know, your own internal, like, uh, energy store because it, it can get depleted. And I think sometimes, you know, it, it's, it's a slippery slope. And I think a lot of people fall victim into just like putting all of their energy into things that are going to make money. And I, you know, I can't say that that has been the, my goal at all. I mean, it certainly hasn't, but I'm starting to now understand that like, I'm getting depleted and there are periods of burnout and you do have to sort of stop and say, How can I grow this business if I'm not bringing anything in, you know, or I'm bringing in a very small amount? And so, I am looking for new ways to kind of strategize my monetary, you know, um, business, like on a on a business front side. Um, But I'm looking to do that with, you know, kind of building up consultations and. Uh, really working one-on-one with people, giving them stuff that I won't talk about necessarily on my channel, but that like one-on-one interaction with people so that they feel like they're they're really getting time, attention, energy from me. And, um, and so that's kind of where I sort of see yeah. all of this sort of manifesting. Just so you guys
0: know... That is where you get the very, like, candid, unfiltered, getting our insight into, say, for example, as you guys all know, I do virtual skin consultations, tacodermal rolling, in clinic treatments, which lasers to do, which ones to avoid, which skincare products I think are good. I'll be very open and honest when clients book a call with me. Uh, All our information is available at beautyandthebiohacker.com or rachelvarga.ca, whatever, and uh, I will share my honest opinion during those sessions. I'll also be a little bit more honest through virtual summits where people actually have to pay to register for. And I won't be as honest with things that I recommend people avoid at home and in clinic if uh, <laughs> if they're not paying me to do it, right? So there are certain things that we'll be a little bit more honest about. And this is a really important f- way for us to protect ourselves and not publicly put down companies or even acknowledge companies that we don't even want to put any attention to. So talk to us about how you protect your energy, Katie, and take ownership of your health.
1: Yeah. I mean, that is a very loaded question, but, uh, for like kind of in, in summary, like I have not done a great job at this. (laughs) I'll be completely transparent. Like uh, when I initially started my channel, I was throwing 100% of my time. I was working a full-time job at the time. I I was depleted. Like, my energy was just go, go, go. Since since transitioning to making this my full-time, now it's sort of like it's evolved. But now I'm starting to realize that there are certain you know aspects of my job that really stimulate my creativity and make me feel like just in such a almost like delta wave state where I just feel like I'm in the flow and I'm feeling really good. Those are usually, you know, videos or, or product reviews that are in such close alignment to my values and what I think is actually going to be helpful for people, um, even sharing my own personal stories. And so I'm really starting to gravitate towards those kind of um topics in in my channel and and that's a way i can preserve my energy by really just focusing on the things that bring me joy and i have had some instances in in very recent times where i've been sent some products that i've had you know a really strong aversion to for a number of different reasons and we don't have to talk about it all here, but you know, there's just claims made about them or things that just aren't in alignment with what I think is going to be actually beneficial for the end user. So I have to start to say no, which is hard for me, but saying no is actually really freeing because you can then just take all of that energy you would have spent saying yes. And, and you're going to kind of, go through this like period of like sort of, um, you know, almost like uh, regression or just kind of like not like anger about having to do it when you could just take all of that energy reserve and put it towards the things that you actually want to do. So that's, so I think just being able to make that clear delineation. And again, this is going to look different for a lot of people, especially based on what kind of work you have. I'm so lucky that I get to control the content that I make, but I can imagine for people who work, you know, standard nine to five jobs, it's hard. So in that I'd say find something that like really taps into your creativity outside of work, a hobby, whatever that looks like for you and spend some time doing that each day as well. Because that for me is is something that really lights me up and gives you something to look forward to. How about yourself?
0: I'll take a little bit of credit for teaching about energy protection. <laughs> yeah, you
1: should definitely. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I've been doing this work for about 10 years. You know, that kind of like deep inner work stuff. And I'm always learning. It's like learning about this, you know, this psychologist work on this topic. And it what's really cool about the work that I do with hanging out with you and interviewing so many, I've done over 120 interviews with various health experts, primarily in, in anti-aging, rejuvenation, regeneration, gut health, energetics, stuff like that. And it's insane the amount of content I've been able to learn through conversations. And actually that really energizes me because you're not going to learn this stuff um, through traditional educational faculties, right? This is, these are people's clinical experiences, what they've seen help their clients. And then we get to share that message. And how beautiful is that? But if you want my honest opinion on certain topics, you gotta pay me for that. And I will, I will be very candid and upfront during one-on-one sessions. And that's what people pay me for. They're like, Rachel, I want your opinion. I don't want to invest money on this type of laser, that type of laser, that type of product, if you don't think it's going to be helpful for my skin goals. And if you're not willing to pay me for that, then that's okay. You can, you know, continue to read those, those bogus reviews and, and continue to waste your time and money. But uh, energetically, I tend to attract a very discerning type of client that really is willing to pay someone that they trust, their values, body, mind, spirit, energy, are in alignment to theirs as well. And it's so great. Like just the people I've been able to connect with through this journey of doing a little bit more work online. I mean, Katie, come on. Like you and I get to hang out and have these awesome conversations to help people and and we have this really beautiful alchemy because You know, I'm very much beauty, you're very much biohacker, but when we talk, we really bring the two industries together, and there's some pretty um, spectacular overlap, but uh, ways to protect your energy. Why don't we talk about the aura Ring for a second and readiness score?
1: Yeah, so this is, you know, partly energy, partly ownership of your health. Really getting a diagnostic of what's happening in your body is key. It is paramount understanding how to, you know, use different modalities to help you throughout your day. So, you know, the readiness score, I think is a great example. It's pretty accessible for people. You get it every day when you wake up, basically it takes into account all of your previous day's activities along with your sleep. And from there you get suggestions like, you know, maybe take it easy today. And I think for people who are like me and very type A and like, okay, well, I have to do this. I have to hit the gym. I have to do blah, blah, blah. You already have like all these set plans and like how you're going to like kick ass and take names that day. Sometimes getting that like actual data driven feedback can stop you in your tracks. And I think it's really good for people who are super like over controlling like myself to realize that like. The end of the day, I got to take care of my body and I got to take care of my mental health, and I don't want to burn out. And so, maybe if my body temperature score was elevated last night, my heart rate was elevated, maybe I ate too close to dinner, all of these different factors, what can I do today to win back the day? Maybe it's not pushing myself, maybe it's actually taking it easier. And so, it's this kind of insight that you can actually get. And this is why I'm so obsessed with biohacking tech products because. This is the first time in history in which we are able to really get some concrete information about ourselves in a non-clinical setting that we can use to make advances in our own health. So that's one of the things that I do for, uh, for preserving my energy and really being the best version of myself every day.
0: Yeah, some other things I really like about the aura ring, and, and no, we're not paid to talk about the aura ring in this session, but it's just a really great resource for you guys. Um, I've identified that even if I have one cocktail before bed, my sleep tanks. I seem to do really well with, you know, the honey trick from Dave Asprey's sleep challenge. Loved that program. Uh, Honestly, I think Dave should have charged a lot more money than he did for that program because it's like the best sleep information I've ever seen in one concise two week challenge. And, and you know, the things that he recommends really worked. So even just, you know, if you're stressed out, you're like, ah, you know, I want to have a cocktail tonight or have a glass of wine or even for Guinness. I actually tested uh, because Guinness is, uh, you know, an Irish UK product and they don't use glycophosphate. Uh, fertilizer with their barley, but uh, North American alcohol certainly does. And actually Guinness still tanked my sleep score, but not as much as, you know, two glasses of red wine did from like a very kind of just generic off the, off the label or sorry, off the shelf. So sometimes people still think, oh, a glass of wine in the evening is really going to help me just like decompress. It will actually wreck your sleep. And, uh, for example, Dry Farm Wines, that's a company I really like for alcohol. And I've done an interview with, with, uh, Todd White on the Rachel Varga podcast. We got to have one on I'm the biohacker because it's really, it's really nice. So if you still want to be able to enjoy something like a nice cocktail, if you want to celebrate something, at least make sure it's clean. And again, it's a, you know, third-party lab tested company, but for what the, what I do, the work that I do, I do a lot. And I'm really hyper-focused with my time. So I have limits on my social media. I won't do more than 45 minutes on social media networking sites. So you can do that in your... uh, It's actually in like your screen time setting, but it's not the screen time that's killing us right now. It's actually the um, electromagnetics. So some of the ways that I um, like to hone in how I push myself and things like that is go by my readiness score and my sleep and my readiness score go through the roof. We're talking like nineties, I get crowns and I always feel like a queen, uh, when I do my grounding. So when I get my cold water therapy in, when say I've had a day of fun outside running around. And, uh, I don't know if you saw some of my pictures on my social media at Rachel Verg official of getting into a frozen pond, that stuff helps me, and yeah, it's extreme, and yeah, cold water therapy is hard. But it was so weird. It's it's like I got into a pond on my property, and there was ice on the top of that pond, and it's like I could get, I could stay in here longer. And, and my hubby was filming it. He was wearing my white robe and barefoot on the so. He's like, my feet are getting really cold. I want you to get out of the water now. I'm like, I could do five more minutes. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, you're starting to cultivate this idea of resilience, right? Yeah. And um, cold water immersion, I think, is one of the best things that people could do when it comes to stress and improving your sleep. And just quickly, anecdotally, you remember Kyle who was on our podcast a while ago? Yeah, um, he
0: was actually, he's speaking on another summit that I'm on. So it was really cool uh, with Kyle Gray yeah. seeing his face on there. It's like, yeah, we interviewed him. Different Kyle, different Kyle. Uh, this no, was I, Kyle no I'm camera. aware, but he's, oh, he's on oh, that okay. summit. Oh, yeah. he's on this. Oh, that's so yeah. funny.
1: Wow, there's so <laughs> many Kyles. Um, so I did his sleep advantage course and he's very you know, um, rigid about like what the steps that you have to take to improve your sleep or, and for me, I was especially looking to improve my HRV, which is kind of an indication of your stress levels because shortly at the, you know, at the tail end of last year, you know, I went through a lot of family hardships and my HRV dropped down to 18 points, which is, I, I'm pretty sure the lowest it's ever been since I started wearing the ring three years ago. And so I was like, I need some help here. And I did his course. He worked with me one-on-one. He showed me how to do Wim Hof. Last week, my HRV went up to 60 points. That's more than triple because every single night, even though I didn't want to, I did a cold shower before bed. I put on my blue blackers. I stopped eating three hours before bed. There's a number of other things. I meditated, I did hypnotic training. Like you guys can find the tools that you need to become a better version of yourself. You just have to make it part of your routine and you gotta just implement those strategies and stick with them and you'll see the proof. That's the beauty of this. Like, no, the ordering is not perfect. And no, I like don't think that you should be obsessing over every single score every day. That's uh, not what I'm saying. I'm talking about the trends. I'm talking about some big changes that you can actually see happen when you start to implement some of these, you know, different modalities into your life. So that's my little anecdotal take on stress.
0: (laughs) And you can see I'm so much more zen than I've been in a while. I love it. Uh, What was really wild, and I actually uh, had a video of me going from the hot tub into, you know, the snow bucket where my brother-in-law was putting snow on me with a shovel, And it was wild. I actually was able to bring down my heart rate because you're in that initial shock. I think it was within five seconds. I was like, you know, like I was kind of hyperventilated when you first get the snow put on you because it's so freaking cold. And then just that ability to drop down in seconds When you start to see those progressions of how well you can deal with stress and how freaking energized I was for the rest of the day, I was able to work out harder. Later on that day, I got more done. I had more fun. I felt better. It's insane. The benefits of cold water therapy, I don't necessarily have to do like Wim Hof breathing to get through it. I actually just really relax. And I think what I'm doing is actually kind of maximizing on my heart rate variability strengths to be able to get in that high state and then just equalize. But we need to do a whole episode on heart rate variability.
1: Yes. I um, I, I have a couple of people in mind that I think would be great to talk about that. But yeah, I think that's one of those metrics that has like been pretty stable for me, but I started to know, I started to feel it and really see a difference when it dropped so low. I was not feeling in control of my biology anymore. And so, yeah, I didn't just like sulk about it. I was like, I'm going to freaking fix it. And I did. And it's like so great. And again, it's kind of like back to that whole idea of even just getting into a cold shower. It's tough. It sucks at first. But you over time, you build up a tolerance and resilience. And it really becomes this like strength sort of, um, you know, internal feeling of accomplishment that you get from being able to withstand the cold. No one wants to be in a cold environment for a long period of time, but the longer that you can stay in, even if it's like from 15 to 30 seconds, then 30 seconds to 45 seconds, every single time you do that and you cross that barrier, there's a little part of you that kind of is, is feeling accomplished from doing that. And I think that is the beauty of, of, uh, cold therapy in general
0: yeah I will just you know full transparency sometimes I go and do my my cold water therapy and my feet get in the cold and I'm like "Mm -mm, this hurts way too much it's probably happened about three times and so I went in the frozen pond and then about an hour later I wanted to do it again because I felt so good and my body was just like nope (laughs) So it's good to take those cues. And that's one of the reasons why I love the readiness score on the Aura, because I'll know when to push myself. And if I feel like if I didn't have that metric, I would end up pushing myself too far, which unfortunately I think a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of working professionals, a lot of parents end up doing when they don't identify with that they actually need to give themselves a little bit of grace.
1: 100%. Yeah, I think that's been the... The key factor for me is just kind of keeping myself in check and knowing that I don't have to always push myself. And yeah, it made, it's made me a lot more intuitive because you kind of can know when you your body's had enough. And I'll, I mean, I'll, this will happen to me on runs even when I'll say, I'm going to go for a five mile run and about mile two, I'm like, you know what? I've had enough. And sometimes it's hard to admit that. But when I listen to my body and I stop, I end up feeling better as a result. So I think part of the readiness scores effect, like effectiveness has been, it's been very much in alignment with my own intuition. And so if you can just kind of, you know, use that as your gauge, it's really mm-hmm. going to help
0: you. One of the things I think while we're talking about heart rate and things like that is, as I mentioned, my brother-in-law, he's going through a medical school right now. And he was talking to me about, you know, heart diagnostics and how different electrodes are placed on the body to detect different polarizations of the muscles firing and the different vectors um, that are being identified from the heart, which can signal different deficiencies for valves and things like that. And one of the things that my TCM, whenever I would get acupuncture done, he would ask me, he would, you know, take my pulse and, and, Asked me, are you feeling like you're having like a racing heart or heart palpitations? And I was. And through that conversation with my brother in law, going, you know, what are you learning today? He's like, oh, I'm learning about the heart and cardiology and stuff like that. And it's really led me down this little bit of a rabbit hole of something called the biofield. And when I started to put a little bit more time and attention on actually doing more grounding, we're talking feet to the earth you know, got too positive, too many protons in the body, you got to discharge that. So you get a balance of your positive and negative. Because if we aren't grounded, what happens is the um, electricity in our body goes haywire. So our brain and our heart are highly electrical organs in our body, everything that happens inner body is through um, ionic mediation. So if you're catching yourself and your heart rate is kind of, you know, fluttering a little bit and you're kind of like in that high beta anxious state, really finding the practices that help you stay grounded. So for me, it's the cold water therapy. I love salt water for that. Epsom salt baths, touching the ground, yoga, qigong, acupuncture are all actually Um, They create measurable changes in the body to promote better um, life. Basically, we know we can test this through live blood cell analysis, which is really cool. So Katie, how are you staying grounded during this whole, you know, fourth industrial revolution, which is the AI technological revolution?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've kind of gone back to basics and I'm doing a lot of breath work was actually just listening to an amazing podcast with, um, Andrew Huberman, who is a neuroscientist at uh, Stanford university. And he was talking to Kevin Rose about this special type of nose breathing that you can do to instantly reduce your stress. And so uh, there's that there's a yoga nidra, but it's, it's also like inhaling twice. So you go once and then again at the top and then you exhale through the mouth. So you're doing two in and then out. And in a matter of seconds, you are bringing your heart rate down. Like it is unbelievable. I've also experimented with box breathing in bed, going to sleep, done some Wim Hof, which is much more energizing but there's also this aspect of it that is, you know, that cultivates a sense of resilience. Like where your lungs are literally out of oxygen and you're, you're deprived, but you're still. And so it's like, it, it really is a great way to kind of train your mind and doing some kind of like brain entrainment. Um, I, I mean, I've used some some great tech modalities uh, to stimulate my vagus nerve through vibration. I've, I'm now getting into um, kind of cluing into acupressure points and using EFT, which is the emotion freedom technique, uh, because I suffer from attention issues and focus issues. And so sometimes I'll find myself just like getting you know, into that dream state and I need to focus on something. And there's like different areas on your body that you can actually tap in certain frequencies that will actually kind of get your, your head into, uh, back into like what you were doing. So (laughs) it's really great for wandering minds like me. And that happens to a lot of people who are in that, in creative fields where you just sort of like, you know, go off on your own. Um, so I'm doing that. So those are kind of the, the, the things that I'm like really experimenting and, and, um, excited to try right now. I think another major way that I get grounded is similar to you. Like I go outside, I put my feet in nature. I'm blessed that we live in a warm environment, that I can do that year round. And I also sleep with a grounding mat. So at night, you know, I want to protect my energy fields. And so we have a grounding mat. And I put my feet on that, and um, and that helps a lot too. So there's so many like new and old ways that you guys can harness your own energy and stay grounded no matter what the situation. You just gotta find what works for you.
0: I feel like a lot of people in the biohacking community might kind of poo-poo some of the. I'm just playing, you know, devil's advocate. I just finished a book on you know how to understand your shadow, and the psychologist that wrote it. He was saying that sometimes the best ideas and concepts and understandings come from when you talk about both sides of the equation. He gave the example when he was in school and, you know, it was his debate class. He prepared for this big debate. And then a minute before he's set to do the debate, the teacher says, now you have to do the other one. You have to do the other side. And one of the things that and this is really great for me to to bring into the world of doing interviews with, you know, Katie and other guests we have on the show and on the Rachel Varga podcast and all those cool people is that sometimes when you talk about the flip side, you'll actually even come to a better, fuller, you know, concept of what's happening. So I think where sometimes the biohackers can fall short, and I was doing this, you know, big talk with my husband, who's a pro athlete, which he is so freaking tuned into the life force. He doesn't need to quantify what makes him feel good. He just knows that things make him feel good. But uh, with biohackers, we kind of like to have the data. It's like we don't want to guess that something works. We want to know that something works and test and not guess. And then someone like him, he's just so incredibly in tune with if he eats something, he knows it's going to make him feel like garbage or not sleep great. But there's so many things that I have to help him to do, right? Like remind him to wear his, uh, you know, true dark glasses before bed so that he doesn't have the blue light exposure because it's starting to impact his eyes and making sure that he's not, you know, rambling away on his computer, editing his YouTube videos. His name's Gabriel, his name's Gabriel, Vary. you can check him out. He's got some great wake workout tips, but I can't wait to have him on the show where we'll play a little devil's advocate about, you know, quantifying versus just getting intuitive.
1: Like, listen, I am a firm believer that whatever works for you is that's, do it, keep doing it. Like, if Gabriel does not want to get an aura ring. He doesn't want to track his metrics. He wants to listen to his body. More power to him. You know, that's amazing. There's a lot of us that aspire to be like that. Yeah, I I hope I get to the day where I could be like, "Ah, I have a crown today, you know, and I don't even need to wear a ring. But I think that, you know, when you're starting off or when you're trying to address a problem, uh, having the metrics just makes it so much easier, and that's something that like I've, I've just been I found has been helpful, and that's why I love to share it with other people. But yeah, I mean, I I aspire to one day be like Gabriel Varga, um, you know, physically and mentally, <laughs> because I think there there is something that is really peaceful about not having to rely on tech for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely am able to teach him a couple of things through some of the conversations we've had, which is great. So when I sleep hack my bedroom, I'm sleep hacking his bedroom too, whether he likes it or not.
1: (laughs) My challenge is going to be going to try to convince him that he needs an aura Ring. Don't tell him I'm going to do this, but we're going to do this when he comes on the show. I am going to do my very best to see how convincing I can be. (laughs)
0: Yeah, Definitely. So for that upcoming interview, I would love to, Katie and I would love to hear from you. So send us an email, go onto the website, com. Get on our newsletter, by the way, uh, because that's how we're sending out special promotions and uh, behind the scenes stuff, which is really great and exciting. And send us an email, info at beautyinthebiohacker.com, with episode suggestions or topics that you would like us to focus on. Because we're just, you know, two chicks having some, you know, life-changing conversations with one another, building (laughs) each other up. And we're just taking y'all along for the ride with us. And yeah, do you have any closing remarks for today's episode, Katie?
1: No, this was really just, I think, again, like, when you're using your energy in the right way, you, you feel abundant when you, when you end a conversation, you feel like you get life back into you. And I always feel that with you, Rachel. And it's, so I know I don't want to get too woo woo, but there's something uplifting every time we sit down and have a conversation together. And I hope that this transpires with our audience as well, because yeah, I think we both learn so much from each other. We share so much great knowledge um, and experience from our own lives, and I think it always makes me feel like I've already done some grounding, even though I haven't yet.
0: <laughs> so, I love it.
1: thank you, Rachel. Yeah.
0: And if you guys are new on the show, Katie and I have actually never met in real life.
1: Yeah. Uh, but it's gonna happen this year, guys. <laughs> send us send us ideas for how we can make it happen. Yeah, yeah. And it's
0: funny. I was talking about it. I was like, oh, you know, you're going to Hawaii soon and stuff like that. Am I allowed to say that?
1: Oh, absolutely. Well, it's well like, your
0: country. You're everybody,
1: yeah. No, and we're and we're being very safe about it. We're getting two, three COVID tests before oh we go. Gosh. So please know that we're doing. We've been like self isolating. Like, yeah, we're being pretty cautious. Hopefully, so.
0: they're the tests that Elon Musk says are you know the ones that work and the ones that don't work. You're not getting those ones. That's a whole other rabbit rabbit hole, guys. Let's not go down that road. (laughs) But I was thinking about it. I'm like, oh, I'd like love to meet you ASAP. But at the same time, if we meet during these times, we'll probably get ostracized for it, right? Because I'm from Canada, you're from US, the whole border thing. So I think it's just like, there's going to be this crazy buildup. And then when we actually meet, it's, it's just going to be pure magic. Because even when we hang out here via an electronic mechanism, hello, you know, virtual calls, (laughs) we get, we have this degree of alchemy. So I just, uh, like, I'm, I think we're not even going to know what that's, we can't even predict it. (laughs) I think the longer that we go, the crazier the buildup is going to be
1: too, (laughs) you know, like, it's like we're online dating each other. Kind of, yeah. It's like, oh my God, like Rachel and I have been together for two and a half years. And I sent you a selfie it. the
0: other day. Did you like I her? loved
1: it. Yes, I did. And I sent you one back after my sweaty bike session, which by yeah. the way, is it's actually really fun. I have this like new stationary bike. I'll tell you about that another time, but it's really fun. Um, I feel like I'm like, <laughs> just like power hour every day. And Jasper's like, okay, like you're sweating too much. And then I like jump in cold shower. I feel so much better. But like, I don't know. You got to do these it, this these crazy times. You got to do what you got to do to like keep yourself energized and, and uh, rejuvenated. So
0: yeah let's just spend a hot second on like what that selfie was like i was getting ready and i my hair was like literally like this like alfalfa little little
1: rascals yeah (laughs) it was it was something else that's for sure i'm not gonna be putting that on my instagram anytime soon
0: (laughs) no no that's uh, that one's not gonna make the cut but you know real life guys real life we're just so incredibly thrilled that you're hanging out with us here be sure to hit that bell notification so that you know when new episodes come out next right here on the Beauty and the Biohacker podcast. Give us a like and a subscribe on the YouTube channel as well and send us an email info at beautyinthebiohacker.com and, and check out some of our past interviews. And also we have some favorites, uh, which are some favorite products with some special promos that are also on the website at beautyinthebiohacker.com and, and get on our email list because we're, we're sharing some things there that we don't share anywhere else for free online. Here are some little behind the scenes extra special stuff things that just help us
1: selfies
0: oh actually yeah there you go yeah you know what i oh boy
1: sign up for selfies guys
0: (laughs) always a blast katie hanging out with you and and, uh you know have a great day katie and everybody else who's you know listened this long (laughs) all right that's a wrap guys that's a wrap Yeah, if you stuck
1: with us that long, God, (laughs) I'll send you my own selfies. That's hilarious.